I'm Marcy Moberg, and this is Tune In with Marcy, a podcast devoted to exploring what it means to reconnect to our intuitive nature. Hello, and welcome to Tune In with Marcy. I'm your host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg. Delighted that you are here today. We're continuing a month of beautiful replays of some of my most popular juicy episodes. This one is all about how our past haunts us in relationships. Before we head on to that episode, I wanted to say a couple things about why I chose this episode at this time. If you're listening to it in real time, it is the week of Christmas and, um, it's the right in smack dab in the, the, the middle of the holiday season. And the holidays are an area that I consistently find is a time of the year that's really stressful for a lot of my clients. And, uh, and sometimes it was very stressful for their families, in their families growing up. And so I find that the past you know, the past can tend to haunt us at any time of the year during relationships, but particularly during the holidays, the past tends to come and haunt us a lot. Because if you, depending on how things were for you growing up in your household, there might be some sense that this time of year brought conflict brought stress, brought tension, brought familiar family fights, uh, brought disagreements. If you grew up in a home where you had to maybe your, your caretakers were not together and you had to split your time between homes, like there's just so much that can come up for there around that. And so it's really important to know that when we enter into time portals, that have these connections to sensitive moments in our past, that the that is very, very ripe for the past to haunt us. And it requires, it asks us, it asks us to have a deeper level of self-awareness when we enter into those time portals so that we don't just unconsciously continue to play out the past in our presence. So Some ways you can work with this before we head into the episode is thinking about how were the holidays for you in your family? Were they pleasant? Were they joyful? Were they stressful? Was your, were, were your caretakers freaking out and (laughs) stress cleaning? Um, Were there expectations that you felt were placed on you? Uh, You know, notice how the holidays were for you in your family. What was it like when you were growing up? And then pay attention and notice if there's any familiar fights. You know, I, I, I often hear from my clients, oh yeah, well, every year I see my family and my parents always fight about this, or my brother and my sister always get in this fight, or this is always what ends up happening, or this day, you know, by the end of the night, no one's talking to each other or whatever. It, it, it's very common that I've seen. Or it's predictable that my mom will get really passive aggressive about this, you know, whatever that is, but just recognize what, what were the holidays like for your family growing up? 
And then what are familiar fights? What are familiar conflicts? What are familiar stressors? Stressors as in sources of stress. If you have that known in your mind, you will enter into this holiday season that much more prepared to pay attention and notice when these things pop up and potentially not get lost in them and not engage in them in the same way. And I want to invite you this year maybe to create a new story for your holiday season. How do you want things to go? Now, (laughs) how you want things to go doesn't mean that that's going to be how it's going to go. But if you have familiarity of how it's gone in the past, and maybe it has been like a haunting experience, maybe the kind of tensions that you witnessed in your households are now the kind of tensions that you experience with your partner in your partnership in this time of year, that's important to know. How do you want the story of the holidays to go? How do you want the holiday season to go? Um, What steps can you take in service of recognizing that you, I don't know, you always fight about uh, the cleaning. So then what steps can you preemptively, proactively take so that maybe that doesn't become an issue, right? There are ways that we can do this ahead of time, or a very common one is that I find that my sensitive clients get really overwhelmed during the holidays, uh, during family gatherings, whether they're actually physically going there or not. And so it's important to then know, okay, what is in, what's in my self-care toolbox? How can I pre, preemptively, proactively plan to use that? How can I give myself permission if I'm going to a family gathering or even if I'm on Zoom with everybody and we're doing a distance family gathering and it gets overwhelming? How can I give myself permission to you know, say in the middle of the call, hey, I'm just going to step out for a second, go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom, take a couple deep breaths, give yourself some space, come back. Little things like that can make such a huge difference and they can start to turn the tide to create, like to really start a new chapter um, around these kind of popular times of the year. So those are just some of my initial uh, preamble thoughts, uh, preface thoughts (laughs) um, ahead of this ahead of this this week's podcast episode. So I hope that as you are listening to this, that you find this episode to be very juicy and supporting you to think about how the past haunts us in relationships. And if the holiday season is particularly challenging with you, now you have some ideas of how you can use that lens of this current time period uh, to understand and perhaps take some proactive steps to create a new chapter in your life where the holidays are not as stressful and the past is not haunting you to the same degree. Welcome to my first official episode of Tune In with Marcy. I am super excited to be here with you today. It is fall here where I am in the Northern Hemisphere in Washington, D.C. And I purposely decided to launch my podcast during this week because it's a week that is, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, all about tuning in during this time of Halloween. And it is said that during this week, specifically Halloween, the day before, the day after, that the veils are thin between the worlds. So the idea is that 
we can access the spirit world more. And that has some connection to what I'm talking about today. I'm not going to tell you a bunch of history about this topic of Halloween since it's not really my core expertise and you could just find that on a bunch of other shows if you wanted to Google all the things. <laughs> but I did want to mention that Halloween traces its origins back to Samhain, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, which is a fire festival celebrated by the Celts in Ireland. I have some Celtic ancestry in my background. And the festival is an intentional recognition of moving further and further away from the bright sunlit days of summer into the darker days of the year. And so I'm starting this podcast off on this time when we start to slowly, just like nature, turn more inward and the days start to get shorter and there starts to be more darkness. And as we do that, we are so too invited to spend more time in our own darkness. And so we'll be, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about some of our own darkness and by darkness, you'll see that for me is really deeply connected to places where we're honestly running on autopilot, you know, these unconscious and subconscious layers of ourselves, which sometimes can be tricky and not so helpful and a little bit um, obstructive to our to our goals. So we're going to start with this recognition that the veils are thin and um, part of that this week is going to be very deeply connected to our topic of the week, which is about relationships. And when I'm going to be talking about relationships, I'm also going to be talking about ancestors because uh, for me, they have a very significant role. There's a lot of different, when I thought about what topic to start with, I debated over several great topics that I have lined up for the coming months. But the one topic I think that many people for whatever reason, neglect this time of year and seems to impact universally everyone I know. I know that this is a very popular topic that comes up in my own one-on-one client work, and that is relationships. And when I mean relationships, I can mean partnerships. I can mean relationships with family. I can mean friendships. But this time of year with at least in the Northern Hemisphere and particularly in the United States where we're on the cusp of this holiday season, we're starting to turn towards this really what usually becomes quite a busy holiday season. Uh, Tensions can run high. There can be, you know, questions of travel schedules and juggling if you're in a partnership, juggling seeing potentially multiple families and there's just, I don't know, it's interesting, right? The holidays often bring up so much drama. Um, I know that at different times when I was growing up, I witnessed how the holidays could create drama in my own family. I have witnessed it in my clients for sure. I've seen it in my own life as an adult. So I I don't want to tiptoe around this issue. I, I really want to address it so that those of you who are listening maybe can go into the holiday season feeling a little bit more empowered in your relationships with some more clarity 
and a greater sense of perhaps what sometimes creates some of the stickiness or the drama or the dysfunctionality. And, you know, we can't do, we can't do anything really about other people and what they choose to do, but at least we can be a little bit clearer about what we are choosing to do or not do and how we are showing up. And so I hope that this series um, gives you some inspiration, uh, some clarity, some perspective, some new ideas, some tools, so that whoever of you is listening maybe has a little bit more of a holly jolly holiday because it will be based on authentic relationship, which is really a relationship that is much more aligned to what you need and, and want and um, and on mutual really respecting terms. I'm going to talk a little bit more about authentic relationship later. But, you know, I chose the topic of relationships, which is an interesting one. It's something that my partner, at my current partner and now husband, has in, invited me and encouraged me to do work on more publicly for quite a long time. He has, I feel like a good solid year been telling me to do more relationships work. I do a ton of relationship work in my one-on-one client work, my client sessions. Um, it's probably the two topics that I work on the most are developing one's intuition and then relationships, because, you know, I think the two central pieces really are being in relationship with ourselves, our intuition, our higher self, and trusting that inner voice. And then on a daily basis, if you leave your house, <laughs> even if you don't leave your house, if you have other people in your house, there's there's people, there's other people, and we have to live in human relationships. And they can be both such an amazing source of um, blessing and gratitude and also quite a source of difficulty and conflict. Um, and so he's been encouraging me for a long time to do more relationship work, including courses and writings. And so I've been slowly doing that uh, now after I feel like I have a little bit more of a handle, handle on relationships myself, because to be honest, you know, growing up, even though I was told that I'm a good friend, that I was, you know, a great friend, I, I was really out of touch with what I needed and what I wanted in relationships and friendships, particularly. That was just kind of, you know, before I got into the dating space and questions around partnership, which, of course, you know, feel, uh, funneled from there, of course. But I... I really had not, I spent quite a long time um, into my early, uh, into my definitely well into my early adult years, my 20s, creating friendships, partnerships, family relationships, coworker relationships that didn't really consider what I, what I needed. And you know, I don't blame myself for that. It's just that I was at a different place and a different place of awareness. And I think 
Also, uh, questions around needs and addressing our own needs and honoring our own needs. And, you know, even this whole movement now, hashtag self-care, is much more prevalent now than it was before. So I don't blame myself for being so out of touch. The truth was I didn't really know myself like I do now. So if that's, you know, if that if it's any of this is as I move forward, resonates with you, I invite you not to blame yourself. It's just a matter of, you know, we have these cycles of uh, layers of getting in touch with ourselves and getting to tune in more to who we are and what we truly need. And that just comes with a lot of trial and error is my experience. It's not really something that we can necessarily shortcut without reflecting on certain questions and having certain experiences and maybe having certain practices spark us and spark us into certain clarity. So, you know, it's not really something that we can just kind of skip over. I think there's a little bit of the messiness on the path to what do I need in relationships that's kind of part of the design, let's say. So, you know, I didn't really know myself before. And the other piece is that social conditioning along the way taught me some um, pretty shitty sometimes ways of being in relationship with others, which I'm going to talk about. And I had a history of trauma in my past. And so that meant that some of these unhealthy or unhelpful patterns were my coping mechanisms to stay safe that were necessary, but now as an adult are, are not necessary. And I needed to develop a new, I needed to develop a new way of coping and generally a new healthy strategy to replace these patterns that was much more true to who I am and what I need. So for example, you know, what do I mean by unhealthy patterns? Uh, Some of the unhealthy patterns for me that I picked up over time through social conditioning, when I mean social conditioning, I mean, as learned through society, through the media, as learned through my caretakers, my parents, my broader family growing up, teachers, etc. And it usually starts for us with caretakers, whoever is directly in our household, and then important players um, throughout our life after that, along with overarching kind of, I would say, cultural conditioning of like, what does the broader society and culture say about who we are, who we should be, how we should act, etc. So for me, so that this is not something theoretical for you, for me concretely, what that looked like was I developed a habit of people pleasing. So that meant that I learned how to please others regardless of what I needed or felt. Um, I learned to value other people liking me more than being true to myself. I learned to overgive. Um, that could be my time, it could be my energy, it could be my love, it could be my money. So I tended to overgive and really drained my well a lot. And then my overgiving, when it would compound over time, for example, if it was like I was overgiving in one specific relationship a lot, 
then that would lead to resentment. Um, by the way, overgiving always leads to resentment, just so you know. <laughs> and obligation also often leads to resentment. Obligation not from an empowered place of choice always leads to resentment. P.S. Resentment always will really, really um, destroy relationships. So if, you know, any of those things are sounding resonant with you or familiar, I would say, "Mm, okay, good to know. (laughs) Let's, um, you know, keep listening and let's see if there's something that can be shifted around that because it's not going to be, it's ultimately not helpful for anyone. I mean, do you really want someone to feel resentful towards you because they gave you so much? Uh, no, that feels yucky. I don't know about you, but I'd rather just not receive <laughs> from somebody because that is um, an unspoken stickiness that's happening. That person is not fully in their choice. They're feeling like they, they have to do that, even though you likely have never expressed that. So it's just not good for anybody all around. I also learned about being the strong one who doesn't need support and is hyper independent. I work with a lot of strong ones, <laughs> the the ones who are strong in their circle. <clears throat> and, you know, that could be a really beautiful attribute to get you through difficult times. But wow, does it really unconsciously block you from receiving what you need the most when you're trying to play strong because so often being strong is really this armor against vulnerability yeah I said that so often being strong is an armor against vulnerability because if you think about people who are really I don't know, archetypally, or if you could think of it as archetypally, or whether, or maybe perhaps you really do know someone that's like this, who's, you know, further on in years and really wise and really knows themselves. They generally don't feel like they have to be strong, right? It's kind of like they just know who they are and they don't really have to be anything other than themselves. Why? Because there's this very, very deep, profound inner strength. Um, that is so much more potent than this overt strength. So yeah, I was hyper independent. I was the quote unquote, super strong one who didn't need anyone's support. Um, therefore I was in the role of often caretaking for other people's needs, feelings, all the time. And that, of course, led to overgiving. That led to codependent dynamics, where I was unconsciously enabling people from, you know, in in continuing to repeat unhealthy patterns and, you know, really stunting their growth because they were relying on me so much to do the emotional, mental labor, burden, processing, um, so many things instead of just, you know, the yucky thing of sometimes letting someone kind of have to crash a little bit. I think we all kind of lovingly have to crash and burn sometimes. And, um, it doesn't mean you leave your loved ones to just kind of, 
you know, fall without any support, but it means that if we are overdoing it and, you know, I see this show up a lot in my client work, and this is certainly was the pattern for me. If you tend to be the one in a partnership that's always the one receiving the venting from someone else, and you're always the one that's trying to help them see the bigger picture, 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 and you are the one that is constantly trying to ask questions to get them in touch with what they're feeling, that's a lot of emotional labor. And that can be, I mean, each of us may serve that role at different points, but when it becomes unbalanced in the sense that that is your role all the time, that tends to be the role you always play in that dynamic. So you're constantly holding a container for their emotions, but they're not holding or unable to ever hold a container for yours, then that just can become this really sticky situation that can start to over time move into an unhealthy codependent dynamic. Um, that goes into boundaries, you know, what about boundaries? (laughs) For me, it was like, what are boundaries? (laughs) Uh, what are boundaries? (laughs) Um, yeah, boundaries, boundaries were not really modeled for me was my, is my recognition in adult life. Boundaries were not modeled. And then the other pattern was playing small and diminishing myself to end conflicts. Uh, what does that look like? A lot of times it'll look like, you know what, it's okay, never mind. Um, and then tending to the other person's feelings. You know what, it's, don't worry about it. And then tending to the person's feelings, um, which is fine if you really are internally at a place of like, oh, I got this, never mind, we can move on. But if you're saying that because you're trying to make yourself smaller, in other words, you're trying to, you're, you're thinking if I diminish my emotions and my situation right now and my feelings and my needs in order to serve this other person so the conflict will end eh, not so great not so great so those those are just some of the patterns that have shown up in my past that I've been working through over the years and they all have these interesting roots to the past Would you like to be a part of my inner circle, get the opportunity to know me a little bit more and for me to get to know you? How about an opportunity to take what you learn on the podcast and translate it even more practically into your everyday life? Well, if any of that sounds good, I would really like for you to hop on over to my website, www.marcymoberg.com and sign up for my newsletter. I send out regular emails to my newsletter, which is really my inner circle. That's the best way to stay in touch with what I'm up to. And I send out newsletter-only practices uh, whenever I have a new podcast episode, which is an opportunity to really take that week's theme and that week's episode and translate it into your own life. Super easy. You just head on over to my website and you'll find a pop-up window and a link there to be able to join. I can't wait to get to know you better and for you to join my inner circle. So back to Sawain and relationships. 
part of my work is interested in how relationships and ancestors connect, which I believe is a part of shadow work. And when I mean shadow work, I mean the deep inner work we do to bring light, to bring consciousness, to bring awareness to the subconscious and unconscious parts of ourselves that may be, you know, at times serving as the autopilot mode in how we are operating. And some of those patterns I talked about before earlier in this episode, like people pleasing and overgiving and caretaking and what are boundaries? (laughs) Those are really deeply connected to a combination of my social conditioning as a person, what happened in my household, and ultimately what happened with my caretakers is part of what happened with my ancestors. So family on both sides have history for me of trauma and substance abuse abuse somewhere along the line. I'm not unique in the sense that I think many families have this kind of a history. And there are many families like parts of mine, I believe, that have pushed snooze, as I would say. You push snooze on years of unaddressed trauma, wounding, and transgressions that have been passed down. What's interesting about that is that research is saying that trauma that is unaddressed, in other words, unhealed, in other words, remains unresolved, let's say, they are discovering gets passed down in DNA. And what does that look like? Well, for some of us, that may mean that we have a, that may affect our our nervous system and how our nervous system interacts with the world. That can also impact these autopilot patterns that I'm talking about. So for example, if I learn people pleasing in my household, and then I all of a sudden look at, you know, well, what happened with my grandparents? And I noticed people pleasing there. And then if I were able to consider, if I were able to have the opportunity to talk to my great-grandparents, I could. Or perhaps I can talk with my parents or other people in the family, and then I discover that people pleasing also seemed to have existed at my great-grandparents' level. This is interesting. In other words, even if it's just, you know, up to a grandparent level, there, there is an ancestral pattern there that's been passing down that's unaddressed. I may not know exactly why the root cause is or where it came from, but it's, it's a pattern that's not really serving me in present day life and unaddressed is essentially part of my autopilot programming in myself. And it's like, when we have all these years, these decades, these hundreds of years, these perhaps for some of us thousands of years and beyond, um, layers of ancestors who ha- who were wounded, who did experience trauma, who did experience transgressions, and that went unaddressed for a variety of really complex reasons. It's as if we're kind of standing shoulder to shoulder with our ancestors and when we came in, they handed us this really heavy bag 
that has been handed to the person before us and before that and before that and before that over and over again. And I'm not interested in blaming the people who came before me or the people that came before any of us because I don't really believe that that serves anything. I mean, you know, we all have our journey and there's a lot of layered and complex reasons why people don't get to, don't have the opportunity, don't have the privilege, uh, the access to skill sets, so many things, even maybe the social conditions to be able to address those trauma woundings and transgressions. So it's not about blaming the people that came before. It's just recognizing, okay, I, I see that the ancestors that came before me perhaps passed down to me some unconscious programming that I, in my present day life, is no longer serving me in who I am and what I am growing into. So rather than blaming, I'm, I'm interested in owning how the new level of awareness I have and inviting you to own the new level of awareness that you have and that you can develop and that we can continue to develop and have that be empowering for me to heal these patterns, empowering for you to heal these ancestral patterns so that we all can become the good ancestors. And by good, I mean, you know, the ones that are in alignment, that are really living our truth, that are in alignment with our authenticity. And what an opportunity and privilege that many of us have more space to do that in this present day and age than perhaps those that came before us. And we can do that by not repeating these patterns and consciously coming into conscious choice around how we want to do, think, be. And the truth is that our sticky spots in our present day relationships, how this connected is that, you know, the sticky spots in our present day relationships are often mirrors of what is unresolved from our earlier relationships. And that can be, I mean, think about early childhood experiences with your caretakers, with whoever raised you. And uh, in addition to these ancestral patterns that have been passed down. So what can we do about this? What do we do when, when we are maybe open to seeing these connections between relationships and social conditioning, family, basically between the past and the present? For starts, we can start to really recognize our own, the, the links that exist in our own life. I see a lot of people pulling the wool over their eyes around this layer of these links. For example, they may be aware that they get upset with their partner about something or a dear friend or a family member and not be aware that they are relating unconsciously to their partner as their mom, as their dad, as their sibling, as their caretaker. It's like in that moment as if they're standing in the kitchen with one of their family members and not really their partner. And we can be completely unaware of that. And I think a lot of people, I see a lot of people in my client work over the years, I see a lot of people avoiding that really obvious connection when we start to unravel it. Or the other connection can be an autopilot pattern that is that has been unaddressed, unexplored, unexamined to ask like, is this mine? Does this serve me? Um, is this 
how I want to be, who I want to be, what I want to do. Is this true? You know, maybe this was true before for my ancestors, but it's no longer true for me. Maybe before people pleasing was true for them and served them. Today in this present day, I feel in my heart of hearts, it does not serve me. That's not a pattern that serves me. So I see a lot of people pull the wool over their eyes about how this autopilot pattern can play out in their partnership or their ancestral pattern and how it's not serving them. So that in a moment of being upset with the partner or the friend or whoever, you know, in the kitchen, it's like all of a sudden in that moment, this, these past conflicts with your parents, your caretakers are overlaying, or all of a sudden, like your ancestors wounds and traumas are living out through your literal bones and blood and tissues and you're embodying that again again this is not about blame it's about bringing awareness and going oh got it I see this is happening understand with love and compassion why it's happening let me see how maybe I can shift it but before we can shift it we have to recognize the links So I would invite you to reflect on some questions and you can do that with yourself or with a journal or maybe you want to talk about it with a a loved one, a trusted loved one. And I want you to reflect on when you get upset with your partner or someone who's significant in your life, maybe your dear friend, your roommate, um, whoever that is, someone, someone from your close circle, who do they remind you of? when you get upset. You know, so often people have these connections, they don't even recognize it. It's like those moments where you're like, oh, you're just like my fill in the blank. (laughs) You're just like my dad. You're just like my mom. You're just like my brother. You're just like my sister. You're just like my aunt. You're just like my fill in the blank. Um, Or The other question I'd like you to reflect on is when you reflect on your not so mindful patterns, in other words, those moments where you move into autopilot and you start the fight that you recognize was not so helpful, you withdraw affection and avoid and pull away from your partner, whatever that is, who in your own family did you see repeating and modeling these same patterns? And when I say family, I mean it broadly. It could be the folks that were immediately in your household, and it could be also beyond that. Because sometimes we, like out of love, have these protective barriers around the people in our household. Sometimes, like as as a matter, we kind of create this fantastical illusion that the folks in our household were, um, almost like inhuman. We don't acknowledge the the maybe not so helpful parts of them, just like we have, like we all have, we all have these parts that um, we could grow, you know, and that we can um, shed layers of into more authenticity and allow a different part of ourselves to bloom that perhaps is more in alignment with our wiser truth. We all have them. But so I, I would invite you to, if, if you know you don't think of anyone in your immediate circle of your immediate caretakers, then the, that person or where you may have seen this repeated, or it could even be that it wasn't a, a pattern of actual behavior, but it was a, 
story that was told all the time. And maybe you need to trace that back to your grandparents, your aunt that you spend a long time with, whatever that is, a, a very um, influential teacher or mentor along the way. But you want to just notice where these not so mindful patterns maybe come from. And you want to make those links really obvious. I got to be honest, sometimes those initial links are really hard. And that's where it can be super helpful, I find, to have a professional to guide us through that process, whether that's a um, coach or a healer or a therapist. There's a lot of different modalities out there and professionals that can support you. That's what I do in my own work. Um, but there is some of this initial layer that we can start to do. There are some of these initial links that we can start to make. So you want to make those links. You want to start to recognize what are those links. And when we start to recognize those links, then later over time, we can practice, um, perhaps choosing something different and deciding what is our truth in our present day. What is our truth? So instead of people pleasing, what becomes my truth in relationship? How can I both honor my needs and honor others from a compassionate place? Because maybe underneath the people-pleasing pattern is a very deep desire to value and respect others. So how can I translate that so that I'm also valuing and respecting myself and, and not really leaving myself by the wayside along the, along the way? And by by doing that process, we can start to get clear about what is an authentic relationship for us. So next time and next episode, I'm going to be talking more about authentic relationship and about the role of belonging. And I would say for now, what I want to leave you with is that the idea for me, where I am with this on this topic, is that I'd say an authentic relationship is one where you feel loved and safe and secure and mutually respected. And I'm going to explore that. I'm going to start to explore some common unhealthy relationship patterns that maybe are not so fully aligned with an authentic relationship where we're loved, safe, secure, and respected and how we can shift them. I'm going to explore the difference between false and true belonging and what that has to do with creating authentic relationships and how we can stop giving a shit about other people's opinions. I get asked about that all of the time. I can't wait to keep exploring this topic with you throughout this month. I hope you have enjoyed this first episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review. Ideally, five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name.com. Until next time, remember being you takes courage. Lots of love. Thank you.